0: champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Now entering the game for Philly Press Box Radio,
1: Bill Furman and Jim
0: Chesko.
2: It's Wednesday, August 3rd, 2022. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA, and the Edge of Philly Sports Network. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet, that noise you heard this last week is the Phillies. They completed a four-game sweep in Pittsburgh, then split a two-game set With Atlanta winning today, they mixed in three trades that should help this team. That was a lot of noise. Some other noise, not so good. Uh, The passing of, we won't even call them legends. We have to call them icons in sports. In Bill Russell and Vince Scully both passing away this week. We'll
3: certainly talk about that. Yeah, we have plenty to talk about as usual, Bill, including those trades that uh, I kind of like. I like the Phil's trades. We'll get into all that a little bit more, you and me, and then with one of our guests as well.
2: Yeah, well, uh, I, I want to hit on this, too, Chet. There's some mixed reviews, uh, reactions coming out of Novacare Complex on the quarterback play of Jalen Hurts here in practice, and you know one guy that could care less about that.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think I know who that guy is, and I'm kind of with you. We can talk about that for sure.
2: Yep, well, hey, you mentioned guests. We have some fantastic guests tonight that we're super excited about. Leslie Van Arsdahl, Brian Westbrook, and Chris Wheeler. Nice job, pal.
3: Yeah, uh, we have lots to talk about with all those great guests. And you know what? Uh, Getting back to the Eagles thing, we are exactly, Bill, 39 days away from the Eagles' season opener. And I'm going to put this picture up for you, 39 days away from the Eagles' September 11th season opener. The big question is, can you identify this guy wearing number 39 with the Eagles? I'm going to bet you can't.
2: I am going to bet I can't, too. My (laughs) My mind is blank on that.
3: Yeah, he only played two years with the Birds, 2009 and 10. Very few players wore number 39. Very few players of prominence, anyway, with the Eagles. That is none other than Quinton Demps, who was there for two years. How about that? Number 39. Sheldon Brown, actually – Sheldon Brown wore number 39 his rookie season, but then he switched to number 24 for the rest of his time with the Eagles. So tough to find a good number 39. Quentin Demp's the best I could do.
2: went on and had a nice career,
3: actually, uh, after the Eagles. Yeah, he did. He stuck around for a good while. Yeah.
2: Well, hey, let's talk Phillies trades uh, that hit yesterday. Uh, They could turn out to be nice moves, as you mentioned. They didn't give up a bunch of what I call right-now players. Uh, that's what I like to call them they They gave up some prospects. They didn't give up any current real current players. Um, Robertson, um, got the save today in a big game already. Nice. So that was good. Looks like they're going to bring him in and put him in that closer spot. So, uh, that'll be interesting.
3: Well, Rob said after the game, if he's not going to definitely be the de facto closer, it's going to be more a mix and match kind of thing. So sometimes it'll be him. Sometimes Sir Anthony, maybe even, you know, one of the other guys. So who would have thought that the Eagles' bullpen would be an area of strength? But it is right now. Philly's
2: bullpen. How about that?
3: Did no, I say, yeah, Phillies, Phillies bullpen.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is. And, you know, I, I was really surprised, Chet. I thought the way some of those guys were pitching, Brogdon, Hand, Sir Anthony, um, Kniebel even, I thought there might be a little package that had one or two of those guys that had to go in order to get a starting pitcher. Uh, they pulled it off getting um Noah Senregard for Vicky Moniak, you know, yeah. in a second round pick. Uh I, I really, you know, I think Moniac just didn't get it together here. A change of scenery was in order for him. And if if Noah uh Thor, as they say, can get him anything, and he's been been pitching pretty well, uh, what a get that is.
3: Yeah, it was nothing to lose right there. You're giving it Moniak, who clearly wasn't going to be a major league player of any substance. So definitely worth the gamble. We'll see. Synergard getting his first start Thursday night. And by the way, Bill, if I say anything stupid like I just did a moment ago, more than usual, it's because my <laughs> office where I work, it's about 100 degrees. Our air conditioning has been broke the last three days. So we got these like three big fans going and I have my door to this little studio partially open. But you'll, you'll see like beads of sweat coming down my face in a matter of minutes, I'm sure.
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, at least you, you've you laid your excuse out there for everybody to hear. Right? <laughs> Always I'm good to have a, an excuse, Bill. That's right. Hey, uh, I do want to throw out there about Brandon Marsh. Uh, I, I find that a little bit of an interesting move. I guess, you know, it certainly seemed they wanted to move on from odubal Herrera, which they have. Uh, Familia also, I know that broke your heart. Oh yeah. (laughs) Uh, Brandon Marsh is a young guy that looks like he's got uh, a lot of upside. I I read there that they spent a lot of time in the coach's office looking at his swing and how they could approve that swing before they made the move. And they feel like they got a player that can help them in the long haul. He's young.
3: Yeah, they feel that uh, he just needs some minor adjustments with his swing, and they like Kevin Long, the hitting coach, so hopefully, you know, they can. They think he's going to be the center fielder of the future. He could be here, you know, the next five to eight years, and he's under their control for the next four or five years, so that's a great thing. you got to hope he does blossom. Certainly worth the gamble there. So, again, I, I like these trades.
2: Yeah, me, me too, me too. And you know what else I like, Chet? And we're going to talk about some more of this when we get to uh, – to our second guest Chris Wheeler uh, in the second half but you know what else I like What's you that? and all your haters Nick Castellanos <laughs> hit about 440 this week including a home run to win today's
3: game what did I tell you be patient 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 hater I'm a patient guy. 11 for 25 on the road trip. Yeah, he hit 440. He's been uh, doing pretty well since he came coming back from the all-star break. I hope he keeps it going. I'm not a hater, Bill. I just wanted him to do more. I want to see him hit more than one home run a month. Hopefully, he's off and running now. So, go, Nick, go. Yeah, uh, you know what,
2: bandwagon fan, bandwagon Philly fan, that's you, my friend.
3: Hey, before we talk about uh, football and a special book that these co-authors have... I just want to mention something real quick. I mentioned Uh-oh. that it's 100 degrees in here in this office. The big news last week, Bill, was the fact that um, Choco Taco is getting 86 okay, from the Klondike people. So I snagged the last two Choco <laughs> Tacos in our cafeteria the other day uh, for a cheap price, actually. So uh, I got one of them right here, and it's starting to melt. Now, the good news is our interview with Brian Westbrook and Leslie Van Arsdahl is pre-recorded. So I can eat this melting choco taco and try to try to stay cool while we play that interview.
2: I was wondering if you were just (laughs) going to make a chocolate in the pouch and have to have to re re (laughs) refreeze it. Hey, speaking (laughs) of that, (laughs) I'm excited to hear uh, some more about this children's book collaboration between Leslie Van Arsdahl and Brian Westbrook titled the mouse who played football. Tell us about it. Tell us about your visit with these guys.
3: Yeah, yeah. it's uh it's pretty awesome. Uh they they're great people and we talked at length about the book and then of course talked a little about Eagles football as well. And Brian and Leslie will tell you how the whole book idea came about. It's uh pretty interesting and I actually read the book, though. I'm not a big book reader, but you know what? I could read this one in a matter it's because of Because it's
2: a children's book. You're all No over big it.
3: words. No big words. So I was able to handle. It. You ready? Ready for that interview? yeah let's do it if you have a child or a grandchild well this book is well worth picking up the book is the mouse who played football written by former star nfl running back brian westbrook and philadelphia-based sports journalist leslie van arsdale we'll bring them both on right now and uh hey guys how are you hello uh, let's let's go ladies first, all right? Leslie, what is the origin of this book, The Mouse Who Played Football? It was your idea for the most part, wasn't it, originally?
4: Uh, originally, you know, I just, I've always wanted to write a kid's book. I have I had, at the time, much younger boys. This has been a bit of a process. And they love football. Not very big guys. So then I kind of came up with the concept of The Mouse Who Played Football. But then I'm, like, kind of talking to my husband about it. And he goes, you know who this
3: is?
4: (laughs) This is Brian Westbrook. And I'm like, it is. And so then we got in touch with Brian and I, Brian can pick it up from there.
3: (laughs) Yeah, this certainly is your story, Brian. I mean, you were a terrific running back at both DeMatha Catholic in Maryland. And then, of course, at Villanova, you still hold all sorts of records. But NFL scouts and GMs, I guess, in 2002 weren't sold on you. They weren't sure whether you could succeed at the next level. And there's a line in this book uh, that's often used, too small, tough little fellow, but I'm not sure he has what it takes. I've heard you tell the story about something that happened at the Senior Bowl in 2002 that stuck with you for 20 years.
0: Yeah, you know, but you're absolutely right. You know, so I I went to the Senior Bowl after having a decent career at Villanova, went to the Senior Bowl, which is an all-star game Uh, for basically college players all across the country. So you're playing against guys from Florida State and Oklahoma and Miami, all the big school guys. So this really was my first opportunity while in college to play against some of the best players in the country at the big schools. And so I went through that week and I fought and I just battled all week long, going through the drills and the team exercises and things like that. Then the game day came and Stump Mitchell, I can't forget his name. I I remember the conversation in the (laughs) locker room. He came to me and said, uh, listen, they, the coaches and the scouts only think you're going to be a special teamer in a third down back. That's what I'm only going to play you in. And I'm like, well, coach, this is an all-star game. Everybody should get playing time in the backfield to carry the ball to at least show the teams what you mm-hmm. can do. Maybe they'll like it. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, they won't. They just want you to play third down and special teams. And so my point is that there's a limit. There's people want to limit you. People want to put you in this box people want to think that you can only do these things and you should never believe those things because the only thing that should limit you is what you have in your heart, whatever you believe in, whatever you think is your limit, that's the limit. And whatever you're willing to work for, that's your limit. Not what other people think. And that's a big time thing right here in our book.
3: Well, Hey, you were finally taken, of course, in the latter part of the third round in 2002, number 91, overall ultimately became one of the Eagles best ever all time running backs. But when you joined them in 2002, the team was you know pretty good at that point. A lot of veterans on the team, Donovan McNabb, Deuce Staley, John Runyon, and Chad Lewis on offense, Brian Dawkins, Troy Vincent, Bobby Taylor, Hugh mm-hmm. Douglas, and the like on defense. Coming out of a smaller program like Villanova, were you at all intimidated when you first got to training camp?
0: Well, I wasn't intimidated. I was scared. I didn't, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know whether my skill set was going to translate into the NFL level. I didn't know maybe – Quite honestly, there could have been a possibility that I was just a special teamer and a third down type of running back. I, I didn't know what where, where the, the future had held for me and for, for me. And so at at, the, at that point, I said, listen, just go out there and control the things that you can control. How hard can you work? How much effort? How much time you're gonna put in um, on the field and off the field? Were you willing to learn the offense and listen? Are you willing to listen to the to the veterans and then allow them to show you how to be a professional? I was able to control those things, and then when I had an opportunity, my skill set spoke volumes, and that's kind of how the story went.
3: Yeah, it worked out pretty well for you, I would say, Brian, great (laughs) pro bowls, et cetera. Now, Leslie, I know the book is ideally targeted for five to seven-year-olds, that's what it says there, but uh, I'm going to expand that range to, say, three to nine-year-olds. What is the message, you think, 10, 11, maybe?
4: I read it to um, my son's third grade class, like nice. outline, and they went bananas, like just with Good. names and stuff like that. So yes, please expand and uh, get the <laughs> I really want to uh, have Brian talk about the message because he just puts it so well. And my gosh, what a better role model for kids,
3: yeah. too. Yeah. What What is the message, Brian?
0: To us, the message is simple. Now, I think Leslie just did a great job of outlining the entire message. The the message is simple. You know, people want your expectations of yourself to be here. And if your expectations of yourself are here, mm-hmm. then that's the hard work. that You don't have to listen to anybody. It's all about what you want to do and where you want to achieve and what your goals are. It's not about someone else's ability to tell you who you are and what you're going to be able to achieve in life. This is about what you want to do it's your world. And and I know Leslie reads it to her boys. I read it to my kids and my kids are small too. So they're not, they're not, they're not big kids at all. And there is a message that my high school coach told me. He said, listen, it's not about the, the size of the dog and the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. That's the same thing that this book is mentioning. Listen, I don't care what anyone else says. It's about what you want. You go fulfill your dreams. And at the end of the day, you'll be happy. And that's what we want for our
3: children. Again, the book is The Mouse Who Played Football by Brian Westbrook Sr. and Leslie Van Arstel. And it's available, or very soon will be at least, uh, from Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. By the way, I love a book that I can read in less than 10 minutes.
4: Yes. <laughs> me
0: too. <laughs> well, well here, here's the great thing. So, you know, I, I often say if I would have, if Leslie and it came to me 20 years ago when I was 22, I would have no reference point for this book. I would have had no clue. But because now I have three kids, Bria, Brian, and Brielle, nine, five, and three, now I have a great reference of like, hey, first of all, to your point, I don't want to read a, a, a 30-minute book to the kids. At, 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 <laughs> yeah. I want to read a 10-minute book. But also, just as important, I want to have a message. Mm-hmm. And I want it to be one of those messages that I, continue to, can I, that I can continue to push to them the rest of their life. Don't worry about whatever, what other people are saying. Continue to work hard. Don't worry about the things that you can't control. Continue to work hard. Stay on course. Stay focused. And if we can continue to force those messages to our children, then we'll have a group of kids in 15 years that are unstoppable. And that's our goal.
3: And that is a great message. Hey, let's switch gears and talk a little Philly sports, if we could. The Eagles, particularly. Uh, Brian, the Birds snuck into the playoffs last season, Mm 9 and 8. On paper, they should be better, of course, this year with the additions of guys like A.J. Brown, Hassan Reddick, and Jordan Davis. But I think we all agree that it's ultimately going to be decided by the development of the quarterback. B. West, what are you expecting from Jalen Hurts this year?
0: Well, I expect him to develop a lot. I expect him to be much better than he was last year. One thing that I love about Jalen is that he's going to work his butt off. I saw him about a month ago, and only thing that he talked about is how much work he has put in. And I believe that when you put in the work, you start to understand defenses better. You start to understand the offense better. This is his second year in this offense um, for the first time in a very long time for him. Now he has an opportunity to take advantage of things that he wasn't able to take advantage of, Uh, in previous years, and because of that, and you add that to the increased skill set of the guys around him, I think he's going to fare very well. Now, obviously, time will tell, and can you increase the arm strength and the accuracy and all those different things? Those are things that, you know, hopefully he'll be able to do. But when you talk about the effort, controlling the things that he can control, doing the right things, taking the right steps so that he can be successful, he's taken all of those things, and now it's an opportunity for him to go out there and show how good he can be. And hopefully this year he'll be able to show that.
3: The Eagles had a lot of success last year running the ball. Um, What are you looking for out of Miles Sanders and those guys this year?
0: In my ideal world, Miles Sanders is a 1,200-yard rusher and a 600-yard pass catcher. That's 1,800 yards of total offense. If he can do that while sharing the load with Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott from time to time, that's a Pro Bowl year for Miles Sanders. He has that capability He has the ability to be one of the better running backs in the NFL. Now for him, it's about going out there, staying healthy, and then showing the world what he can do every game of the season. If he can do that, then I have no doubt that Miles can be one of the better running backs in the league.
3: Well, the games begin for real on September 11th. The Eagles out in Detroit. What do you think, Leslie? What's your prediction? Will they win more than nine? Will they win the division?
4: Okay, I, I do. I, I know there's a lot of talk about Cowboys with this division, but I think the Eagles win the division. Um, I absolutely agree with everything Brian said. I don't even think it's so much Jalen Hurts right now. I know there's so much focus on him, but it is on Miles Sanders. And the key, if he can stay healthy, if he can be productive, I think he is the key right now for this team. I really, really do. Brian, your prediction?
0: You know, I think this team is a double-digit win team, 10, you know, and if 10 wins, if things go great, especially we talk about Jalen Sanders and that offense get going, this can be a 12-win football team. Mm -hmm. I really do believe that. When I look at the schedule, I see plenty of opportunities for them to win games. Now, injuries and bad play obviously can pop up for this football team and different things happen throughout the year. However, if they can get things going, they're a 10-12-win to football team, no doubt in my mind about
4: that. Agreed.
3: Hey, Brian, one other thing. October nineteenth, 2003, I'm sure that date rings a bell for you. Do people still ask you about that 84-yard punt return that beat the Giants at the Meadowlands? And you know it'll be a directional kick attempt. Bounces at the 21 and picked up by Westbrook. Westbrook on the return. Here comes Westbrook.
0: People do still ask me about that. Um, You know, I hear people, I talk to people all the time about fantasy and, well, you won me my fantasy game that week (laughs) and you did these different things. You know, that was one of the most memorable moments for me because up until that point, I was doing okay, but nobody really knew what Brian Westbrook truly was. And that was an opportunity for not only to prove it to myself, but to my teammates, my teammates, you know, they were like, "You know, you're a good player, but what can you do for us to help us win legitimate games?" That was something that I contributed to the team that allowed us to go out there and win. the The other thing is that we went on a six seven game winning streak after that. Yeah. So it was truly a team victory. It was truly a team win, and that's probably the thing that I get the most excited about is how the team responded after that play. And for me. I, every morning I turn that, that video clip on on YouTube and I make the kids watch it before they go to school <laughs> so they can remember that the old guy that's limping around the house, he used to play football every now and then.
3: <laughs> that is funny. All right. Again, the book is The Mouse Who Played Football. And, oh, you got a big event tomorrow at the Free Library in Philadelphia, 12 noon. Tell us about it. Yes, we'll be um,
4: reading the book, signing the book, taking pictures, doing everything.
0: Yeah, everybody come out. We want to We want to see everybody. We want to make sure that if you are a Leslie Van Arsdale fan, you're a Brian Westbrook fan, if you like reading books to your kids that have a good message, come out. We want to see the kids. We want to see the families. We're, we're all about the community. You know, the other thing that we didn't mention about the book, this book for Leslie and I was about giving back, right? We're giving back to our own kids. Leslie reads it to her boys. I read it to my kids as well. We want to give these messages back to the children. The other part about this is that we're financially giving back, too. We we have already committed. 50% of our proceeds will go directly to charities that affect and help young children. That's that's our commitment. We don't want to just be in words and just in print, obviously, the book. But we want to make sure that we're giving back the best way we can. So we're giving 50% of our proceeds directly back to our children, to children across the world to help empower them and help to grow them up as well. And we're super excited about that, also.
3: That's terrific. And Eagles fans will take note there's a character in their name, Big Red. I wonder who that could be.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful.
3: The mouse who played football, Brian Westbrook Sr. and Leslie Van Arzel. Find it, buy it. Thanks to you both. And uh, go, Eagles.
0: That's right. Thank you.
2: Well, Chet, I have to tell you, in spite of a couple technical difficulties there, uh, computer doing what it wants it must be overheated too it uh, is <laughs> it, it, uh incredible i can't i can't tell you how much i like that you know brian just like i said with troy vincent when we had him on the energy that these guys bring these former players same thing when we have kevin riley we had john bunning we had some others you know they bring such energy uh the giving back that that brian talked about there at the end and troy also doing that with what he's got going on, you know, can't say enough about those guys and uh, what what they've been to the city. It's it's fantastic.
3: Yeah. Real good guys. And uh, it, it is a fun book. So if you do have kids, check it out. It's uh, this one right here. I, I have a copy right here. The Mouse Who Played Football. And, and where, uh, can,
2: where can yeah. you get that book? Because I
3: know do- it's available on Amazon and Barnes Noble.com. I'm not sure where else. I'm sure some local bookstores in the Philly area absolutely have it. And if you're in the Philly area tomorrow, stop at the Free Library, 12 noon on Vine Street, because B West and Leslie will be there. They'll have copies available there, about 15 bucks. And uh, as they said, half of the proceeds go to a good cause, helping kids charities.
2: Fantastic. Good job. And uh, sorry, shame we had a couple of glitches here. Maybe we can fix that on the uh, in the YouTube version, maybe.
3: Yeah, the YouTube version is already out there. In fact, if anybody wants to see the whole interview, it is going out on YouTube this evening at 8.15. I already have that set up. So Wednesday night, 8.15, the full interview, which is essentially what you just saw there, but without the glitches, uh, 8.15 tonight. So we will uh, promote that heavily. And as for the glitches, yeah, my computer, like me, is sweating, I think. And so (laughs) you go to touch buttons, and when you want it to do something, it doesn't. And when you just want to hover over it, it does the thing. So I'm afraid to touch any buttons tonight, Bill. All
2: right. Well, hey, Chet, uh, there's a good chance your couch is getting more mileage than your car. It's time for you to start saving with Allstate's pay as you go auto insurance.
3: Yeah, and let's see what happens when I try to hit the Allstate button here. Eh, We never know there it is look at that how about that yes all states pay as you go auto insurance bill it puts you in control you only pay for the miles you drive with the same full coverage that a traditional policy offers pay-per-mile insurance gives customers greater control of their insurance costs see how much you can save with pay-per-mile car insurance by calling your local agent in westchester pennsylvania you know that is dave lavoie call david 610 430 0, 0700 once again, 610 430 0, 0700, and start to save more now that you perhaps are driving less.
2: Well, hey, Chet, uh, your long awaited trip to Canton to see Coach Vermeil enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame has come. You'll be there. Tell us your plans. How excited are you about going to Canton?
3: I am excited about it, but I know Coach Vermeil is as well. He was on with Glenn Macknow the other day talking about it. I'm doing uh, the flight option, flying out of Philadelphia early Friday morning, spending the afternoon and evening in Cleveland, then all day Saturday in Canton, of course, for the festivities, hoping to meet up at some point with uh, some of her old friends like Kevin Riley, Ken Dunnick, and Ray Dittinger. Maybe Bill Bradley will be there. He usually is for these things. And then, of course, the enshrinement ceremony is at 12 noon on Saturday. I heard uh, Coach Vermeer talk about it with Glenn the other day. And he, he indicated it is going to be, it's going to be an emotional eight minute speech. You knew that from coach for really looking forward to it. And I'm hoping to, you know, hopefully meet some of the other guys who will be there like hall of famers, Harold Carmichael, Bill Cower, Chris Carter, and your personal friend, mean Joe green will be there as well, Bill.
2: How about Mean Joe? That was fun. (laughs) I don't have time to talk about that right now, but I certainly will. It was, uh, it was great to sit with Mean Joe. Hey, uh, Chet, um, one thing I did want to say is is I think you saw where I posted today uh, on Facebook, a video of coach Ramil opening up this package with his gold jacket in it. 85 years old. It was like Christmas morning for a kid, like a kid in a candy store. It was awesome.
3: Yeah. I I saw that. That was actually a couple of weeks ago that happened uh, July 18th. And uh, I saw that 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 was cool. And it is, it's just like you said, uh, very emotional for the jacket to arrive. So, Man, I can't wait for Saturday. I exchanged messages with Kevin Riley today. He is pumped about it. I, he said Franklin Masters going out there as well. So it's going to be a great weekend.
2: All right. Wait. Well, hey, speaking of great times, what's going on over at the Irish Rover Station House?
3: Well, I'm looking for that right now, Bill, because uh, I have something that I want to tell you about what's going on over there. And push the wrong button. I think I got it. Okay. Yeah, I do. Um, Bill. Bill. We survived shark week. So that's the good thing. That was last week. This week, the Rover has some great dinner specials Thursday through Sunday. There is a Buffalo chicken dip appetizer. And then the actual dinner entree specials include Diablo shrimp and ahi tuna and mango salad. There are happy hour specials too. And check this out. This is Thursday evening, Bill. They have a keep the pint night. Thursday the 4th, the Rover and Budweiser are doing a keep the pint night. You buy a draft, Bud, and you get to keep the glass. I hope it's this one because that is a a sharp-looking pint glass. So great food, lots of specials, terrific people, and always 24 beers of tap. All of that and more at the Irish Rover Station House. And that, of course, is on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne. Hi, this is Ray Dinger. And it is always fun to talk sports with these two guys, Bill and Chet, on Philly Press
1: Box Radio.
2: all right. Well, hey, let's talk some more Phillies baseball with a fine mix of Penn State football. Chet, with our next guest, Chris Wheeler. Welcome back to Philly Press Box Radio.
1: Are we good? Yeah, we got, yes, we got you. Woo-hoo. Oh man, what a. <laughs> anyway, I uh, after we were on uh, originally, and I saw that Penn State stuff behind Bill. I decided to go get one of my lids.
2: There you go. Yeah. Ah, I'm a proud, nice. I'm a proud nice. alum
1: too, you know. So I love seeing all that linebacker stuff behind you.
3: There you go. You were out playing golf the last couple of days, but uh, I'm sure you got home to see at least part of the Phillies game today. They made a bunch of trade deadline moves. Let's, uh, let's go through them. Brandon Marsh, the center fielder they picked up from the Angels, they seem to like him. He's only like a 220 or whatever hitter, but we know he's got speed. We know he's a great defensive outfielder. And they are very high on Brandon Marsh. What do you think about this move?
1: Yeah. I, you know, you know, I don't know that much about him. I remember him. uh, I remember him playing uh, in that series when the angels were here in Philadelphia and he looked like a really good outfielder, but he looked a little bit like many of today's players, like a swing and miss guy. So, you know, that's what you hope. And unfortunately you see a lot of that in his background right now, but you never know. I mean, you could get with a different organization and, and maybe they could help him cut down his swing a little bit. You know, these guys nowadays don't want to cut down their swing. Not many of them do. They all want to, you know, launch. Because, uh, uh, you know, hit the home runs as many as you can. And I don't get me started on that. Because all that causes, <laughs> all that causes is strikeouts and nothing happening. But, yeah, I, look, he's obviously a much better center fielder than anybody they've been able to put out there this year and for a while. So, uh, you know, let's give him a chance. Let's see what happens. He looks a lot like uh, – Black Blackman from Colorado, but he can't hit like
3: it with right. the beard. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah.
2: Hey, Wills, what'd you think about the Noah Sinregard uh, trade? They didn't really have to give up much. It doesn't look like Mickey Moniak was certainly struggling. Uh, I don't think we're getting the, the Thor of old, but if he can fit in as a four or five guy in this rotation, they could be pretty good.
1: Well, right, Bill. I mean, that's what you're hoping. Cause you, uh, as you said, and nobody's trying to say anything different, uh, he's not the same guy. He's not the guy who used to go out there and throw 97, 98, 99, you know, the four-seam high fastball. Evidently, he's turned into more of a sinker baller, command guy, uh, trying to get quick outs. And, the, well, I love guys that try to get quick outs, by the way, because, you know, it keeps everybody in the game. It keeps the fans enjoying it more because the ball's in play. So we'll see. You know, he's going to pitch tomorrow night. Who would you rather see, him or Bailey Falter? I mean, you know, you know it's it's one of those things. Nothing gets Bailey Falter, but – you know, he's just a fringe major league pitcher. This guy is a proven major league pitcher. And he's going to be here playing for the Phillies tomorrow night. And he's a character. Uh, he, he, you know, you saw that stuff with him stealing the fanatics. The thing, fanatic, you know, yeah. Whatever you call that thing. You know, stealing that, uh, that uh, I don't know what it is. Anyway, he, he looks like he has some fun, too. And, you know, he has
3: that look with the blonde ponytail and all that stuff. And if he can get people out, people will love him another guy who's a experienced proven pitcher is David Robertson I know he's 37 years old but it didn't work out the first time around with the Phillies but he has had an amazing season he was off to a great start with a bad team to and got him right in there put him into the fire today he got the save I like this guy i you know the bullpen's an area of strength as I said earlier for the Phillies all of a sudden they got a lot of alternatives now at the back end of the bullpen
1: Hard to believe you're saying those words, isn't it? I know.
3: (laughs) Well, you know, the
1: first thing I said about David Robertson when the Phillies got him and I do shows like you was, boy, this guy's great. He's been with the Yankees all these years and he's never gotten hurt. Well, that lasted real long, seven games. (laughs) and He blew his elbow (laughs) out and, you know, that's a year to two years every time that happens. And about the time his contract was up, he was gone and he's pitching for the Cubs this year. And we saw him a couple of weekends ago, and he, you can tell he's good. I mean, this guy has good stuff. You know, his ball's heavy. He's got a great curveball. Uh, and he's not scared because he's been in those situations so many times throughout his career. Thought it was a great, great deal by Dave Dombrowski. And they said they gave up a nice pitcher, a young kid. But he's a young kid, and he's a maybe. And right now they're trying to win something. And it was nice to be able to – I was playing golf today. I was riding around <laughs> with Joe Kerrigan. Uh-huh. <laughs> who, who you guys know. Yeah. Uh, and I had my phone out and we were looking at it and saw that Dominguez was in the game and then Alvarado and we're going, well, that got to mean it. robertsons uh, he showed up there today and he's going to pitch the ninth inning. And I, I saw that he went through 17 pitches, 10 strikes, got a couple yeah. strikeouts and you guys saw it. I didn't, but it, it, it sounded like it was a comfortable ninth inning and it was not had a whole lot of them this year. Why?
2: <laughs> well, wheels. when you look at these three moves, uh, they didn't give up a lot of what I call now players. The, the guys on the current roster. Uh, do you think this is a move to kind of push all the chips in? you think they feel like they have a chance if they get into a five-game series with the pitching staff they have, they can win it? They've got some, some quality starters. Uh you, you think they're making a move here to push the chips?
1: Trying, Bill. You know, it's like any other sport. You know, they always say if you get in the tournament, you never know what's going to happen. You know, we ran into a buzzsaw a couple of years in a row with the St. Louis Cardinals and the San Francisco Giants who were smoking hot when they got into the playoffs. And, you know, I like to think the Phillies were the better team at that time. They had the better year and all that, but they weren't in that series, in those two series with those two teams. So you never know, you know, with that situation that it is this year with the extra wild card, if you get in, you, you know, maybe you can move along. They got to play a lot of road games. You know, they're not going to get a lot in their favor by by being the last team in. And, um, they got, if people don't, I don't know whether they realize, you know, we have to play Houston the last three games of the season in Houston makeups from the beginning of the year while the Cardinals are going to play the pirates for like six or seven at the end. So there's going to be a lot involved when you finally get there, if it's close and the matchups that the Phillies are going to have compared to what the, what the, uh, the Cardinals are going to have. But in my opinion, let's get there and see what happens.
3: Well, the Phillies do have 11 games with the Washington Nationals, including, uh, I guess, four this weekend or five this weekend, whatever. They got a lot of games with the Nats and then the Marlins right after that. So you got to win those games that you're supposed to win, and then they should be in good shape. And I I actually want them to stay right where they are in that final wild card spot because then I believe they would play the third-seeded team, which would be likely the Midwest division with the Central winner, which would be either the Brewers or Cardinals, correct?
1: Yeah, and the Brewers don't have hater.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Run, so is, stay right there good. and yeah. win that series. And then, you know, whatever happens, happens.
1: Hey, hey that's, that's, yeah. that's exactly right. Chad, I couldn't agree with you more. And that's my point. You know, if you get, they call it the tournament. Well, even in yeah. baseball, if you get there and you get into postseason, you get hot at the right time, you got certain hitters hot at the right time, maybe Harper's back and scalding at that point. Um, who knows? But you got to go look, you say so many games with the nationals, right? No more Sosa, no more bell. Mm-hmm. But there's still a major league team that can go out there and maybe their pitcher's better than your guy that night. So you just have to go out there and play them one at a time and don't think, oh, we're going to four out of four here and three out of three here. and I'm a big baseball guy in that the, the next day, d- d- depends on the pitching matchup and who you're going to go up against. So let's see
3: what happens. Wheels, we're supposed to be getting Gene Segura back in the next few yeah. days. What happens with the lineup now? Does he play second, Stott go to short? You keep Didi at short, you mix and match. What do you do?
1: Nice problem, huh? Yeah, uh, and and you know Rob Thompson will figure that out along with the coaching staff. I have no idea where their heads are on that, uh, but in my opinion, it'd be pretty hard to keep Gene Segura out of the lineup. You know, mm-hmm. But this guy, and now, is he going to hit right away when he gets back? I wouldn't put it against him. You know, it's unlikely, but this guy can hit, and I you know, and he's a turned out to be a really good second baseman too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and yeah, you say, you you know, people are down on Didi Didi Gregorius, and then every once in a while, he'll get a big hit and make an unbelievable play, and you say, well, he is a pretty good major league player. Stott's natural position is shortstop, and he's swinging the bat well enough and improving well enough that maybe they'll decide to go that route, hit him down in the lineup, keep the pressure off him. Personally, I'll be very interested to see what happens when they put those lineup cards out. Yep.
2: Yeah. And and to follow up on that, you know, they've got to make a roster move there and then they'll have to make another roster move with Harper. Whenever that happens, Derek Hall is is going to make has made that a little bit more difficult, um, you know, and you have the additions that, uh, you know, you're not sending them down. So they, they've got some tough choices to make. And there's only one D.H.
1: Yeah. And, you know, at least you're getting to the point in the season where if you send the kid out and you say, we'll bring you back in September when they expand the roster. Now I don't I don't know exactly what the number is. It's not 40 anymore. You can't have a you know tons of players like you used to have, but you can expand the rosters at the end of the season. So that you know it doesn't make the a player like a Hall feel any better if you were to say to him, "Look, thanks a lot for what you did, but you know you got to go back to Lehigh Valley for a few weeks, and uh, you know we're going to get you back up here another time." I've seen it happen a lot over the years when you do that. Um, but if you get better players and you have to, uh, unfortunately, hurt some people's feelings and send them to different teams, so be it. But the best players, you, you're at the time of the year, you know, this isn't uh, this isn't kids play when you get to this time of the year. You got to put the best players out there, in my opinion.
3: Wheels, you'll probably be at the ballpark a bit this weekend. It is Hall of Fame or Wall of Fame weekend for the Phillies. I got to be honest. I wasn't crazy about this year's selections, Bake McBride and Ron Reed, but Having said that, they were both pretty important parts of that 1980 team, were they not? Oh, my.
1: Unbelievable. You know, I know everybody wants to, well, you know, there they are. They're shaking bacon and and big slinky, as we used to call them, the Ron (laughs) Reed. Um, They're really good players. I mean, Bake McBride, what couldn't he do? What couldn't he do above average? And you think about it, you know, even with bad knees, he could run like the wind. He could hit home runs. He could hit for average. He was a great outfielder and could really throw. And Ron Reed used to the way they used to use him and they would use him for two innings, three innings. He could pitch him two, three days in a row. Back in those days, you know, how I used to do that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I know people are saying, well, why would you have these guys, you know, eh, let's, let's start getting ugly and Rollins and, and ha- relax.
3: <laughs>
1: You're all going to be on the wall of fame. I know people, I know nowadays we have the attention span of a field match you know, and, and, and nobody has any patience anymore for anything. Those guys will be on the wall of fame. These two guys, ask their teammates what they meant to the 1980 yeah. Phillies. And what did the 1980 Phillies mean to a lot of people like me who was lucky enough to be around it and those were my guys because we were around the same age a lot of it, a lot of us. You don't have that 1980 team or that World Series and that uh, parade without guys like Ron Reed and Baker. It doesn't happen.
2: Yeah and you know they're also going to honor Dan Baker this weekend as yeah. well which will be is great and uh, uh wills i know you have to be happy that pete rose is going to be in town
1: i know there's a lot of controversy about that bill and i understand and i don't want to go there with that um you, first of all you just put the thing up about dan there's a good human being right there and you know, I've known him since 1972. My first year was 71, and Art Wolf was a PA announcer that year. Danny came along in 72, and for, for the years before I worked uh, on the air, I used to be in the scoreboard room with him and Dennis Lehman and a couple other people, and we used to get in a lot of trouble with some stuff we put on the board. Paul Owens would get mad at us and all that. But I'm so happy for Dan Baker that this organization is honoring him because he is just the salt of the earth, good human being. Um you mentioned Pete. People are going to have their opinions on Pete. We had a show down in Clearwater last year that I was lucky enough to MC, where Pete was there and Bob Boone, Bull, and Larry Baugh, And it was fabulous. It was just great. Pete has no sensor, no filter. Never has. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, you know, don't give him too much live time doing something. But to have him there and to have the fans decide what they want to react when he comes out on the field, that's up to the fans. And I totally understand all the negatives involved in that. But thankfully, I don't have to talk about that or make those kind of decisions. He's my friend, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him again over the weekend. And I think a lot of people that come out on Sunday will be really happy to see him again.
2: And and 1980 doesn't happen without Pete Rose. Amen.
1: You know, I just mentioned those two guys, you know, Bacon and and Ron Reed and Pete Rose changed everything. Those guys will tell you that. You know, he was there in 79, but all the pitchers got hurt and the Pirates had that magic season. But 1980, no, he kept guys grounded because that season, you know, was not a walk in the park. I mean, Dallas exploded at him at one time. Paul Owens went crazy one time in, in San Francisco after Gary Maddox dropped that fly ball in San Diego when he didn't have his sunglasses on. And then we went yeah. to – I mean, that that was a tough thing. We had to win two out of three in Montreal that weekend to get there. So that team had a, had a lot, uh, a lot of adversity they had overcome and having Pete Rose around oh, with that calm way about him and a guy who had won before really helped a lot.
3: Wills. I know Bill wants to ask you uh, a Penn state question or two, but before <laughs> we do that, I got to ask you about this guy because I'm sure you've met him talked to him oh. over the years, the late, great Vin Scully. We lost at age 94 yesterday. What are your memories of Vin Scully?
1: You know, Chet, the number one, you know, you won't talk about him as a professional, what he was like calling the game and his voice and all those kind of things. Sure. But for those of us who are lucky enough to know him personally, one of the nicest, most gracious human beings I've ever met in my life. And, you know, real quick, I'll tell this story because I'm so happy about my last year on the road was 2013. Um, So we're in uh, we're in L.A. and it's a Sunday. It's the last game. I don't know this is the last time I'm going to see Vinny because I don't know they're going to can me after the season. You know, I didn't know that was coming. So I, and I'm not name dropping, but I'm good friends with an actor named Christopher guest and his wife's name is Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. So they came up to visit me in the press box that day, cause I'd left them tickets and they're standing there and I'll never forget. Vinny comes over to me and he says uh, wheels. He says, is that Jamie Lee Curtis? And I, <laughs> I said, it is. He said, "Well, I knew her mother very well. Of course, that's Janet Leigh. Uh, yeah. I knew her very well, and I would love to meet her." I introduced Vinnie to Jamie Lee. They talked for about fifteen minutes. They laughed and had have... so. Later on, I ran into Vinnie. He said that was one of the greatest moments in my life wow. that you introduced me to Jamie Lee Curtis. So I, you know, I thought about that story again today uh, when I heard that Vinnie had passed away, and I have a lot of great memories of being around him because when you would see him. It was like you were the only person in the room. He always knew your name, uh, and he always wanted to ask how you were. uh, A wonderful, wonderful man and a great talent.
3: And our buddy Kevin Cooney posted this last night right after uh, the news came out. He he had some amazing, memorable calls. I forgot that he called the catch, Joe Montana to Dwight Clark. I went back on YouTube today and listened to it, watched it. Yeah, wow, what a career. 67 years calling Dodgers games, too.
1: Yeah, leaving uh, you know in Brooklyn when he was with Red Barber and, and going out to Los Angeles and being there. Hey, the players used to tell you what it was like. Uh, you remember back in the days uh, when we had transistor radios at the ballpark. Yeah, when you went to Dodger Stadium, that's all you heard. You heard Vinny doing the game. Yeah. So the players used to hear that. That Joe Kerrigan was telling me today it was the most amazing thing. He's on the mound. He's in his windup and he hears Vince go, here's Joe Kerrigan wind up in the pitch. He says, it was amazing to hear his voice, you know, describing what I was doing. And I remember Mike Schmidt telling me one time what it was like to walk up the home plate and hear that voice say, here comes this young kid from Dayton, uh, from Dayton, Ohio, you know, who, who's a big prospect for the Phillies. And Smitty's thinking, Oh man, I hope I don't go up there and just punch out, you know, in front of him and all that. (laughs) Uh It just showed you, you know, before the years of the headsets and all that when you went to Dodger Stadium, all you heard out there were those radios going with Vin's voice on there. It was it was a wonderful thing. He, he he's a great credit to our game, and and it, as you just said, Chad, he he did a lot of other things too—World Series and All Star games and all that other all those other things that he did. He he was a consummate professional and just just a great guy. Bill oh. Wills.
2: But, <laughs> we got it. We only have a few more minutes left, but let's talk a little Penn State football. Sure. I gotta start this out by saying I just found out that I will be in Auburn for the Penn State Auburn wow. game. Done deal. So I'm excited about that, uh, to get that thing going. But what are you thinking of Nittany Lions here uh 2022 with a six-year quarterback?
1: Well, first of all, I'm glad he's there. Right. You know, because they got to go out and Purdue to Purdue and then the third game to have that game. Who would you rather have a six year quarterback or a a kid, you know, that barely played in college football in those two environments? So, you know, I'm happy to have uh, Sean Clifford still around that he wanted to stick around for another year and help develop the young quarterback that they have. What do I think of the year? You know, those two games out of the first three, it's tough right there. You know, and then you always have Ohio State and Michigan to play during the season. So, You know, it's tough. The one thing they can do, if they can somehow keep Clifford on his feet, they say they're improving their offensive line, but you hear that every year. Uh, This year, from what I've heard, uh, it it is better. Uh, They have more depth and they should have a better offensive line. You can have all the greatest football players you want in the world. And if you don't have an offensive line, it's like in baseball, if you don't have a bullpen, you're done. If you're not starting pitching, you're done. If you do not starting pitching you are done if you do not have an offensive line in football, Nothing. Nothing good's going to happen in the long run. Guys are going to get hurt, or you're just going to have all kinds of problems. So hopefully they can improve that.
2: Yeah, I saw where one of those preseason magazines had their offensive line rated like ninth in the conference, and yeah. I've been reading. I've been reading that they were expecting them to be much better too. But uh,
1: well, you know what? It, it, they got to prove it. It's, yep. You can talk about it all you want. Uh, they had a couple of guys that were hurt last year. They're going to start this year, um, and they have some other players that they like a lot. I don't know. The offense I don't know what happens in an offensive line. I'm like everybody else. Unless you play that position, you're watching the quarterback and the wide out and the, and the running backs. You don't know what they do until they make a, until they do a replay. And then you see, oh, my God, that guy pulled and he went all the way over here. And this guy came in here and did all How do they do all that stuff and, and synchronize it? It's yeah. Offensive line play is just a different animal. Defensive line play, I'm not saying the guys aren't great, but all they do is, is for the most part, tee off and try to smoke the guy in front of them or just do some – fancy stunt or something like that offensive line play you got to be smart
2: that's right so uh how many games do you plan on going up to happy valley before okay. you head back to the to florida
1: well renee and i for a long time for like 20 years we went up once a year and then the COVID thing kind of changed everything we were lucky enough to stay in the nittany lion in all those years and now you can't stay there anymore right. so we're kind of kicking it around i was Telling you guys earlier today that I did Steve Jones show a couple of weeks ago yeah. and he's on me all the time. When are you coming up? When are you coming up? So we're working on it. I I don't have any we used to go to the White Out a lot, you know, for the for ten years in a row. I think we went to the White Out because that's pretty magic. You mm-hmm. you have any college football atmosphere you want, and I'll put that up against. Them.
3: Absolutely. All right. All right, Ched, any more Penn State stuff for Will? <laughs> We're good, man. I'm I'm excited about uh, this weekend, the Wall of Fame Phillies weekend. I'll be in Canton for Dick Vermeer. What a great weekend. And football season is upon us, and hopefully a Phillies postseason, too. That's a great time of the year, you know, with the, really the college is.
1: football around the corner and the, yep. and the NFL and, of course, postseason baseball. So, hey, it's always great to talk to you guys. You're always... You're always so well prepared for everything and it's always so easy. So thanks for thinking about me and that I'm still relevant enough that anybody wants to hear what I have to say. And well, wheels, we-
3: happy birthday. You get a birthday next Tuesday. So enjoy. Next
1: Tuesday. I'll be 77. I uh you know it went it went fast. Right. You're <laughs> still looking good. I'm hanging in there, you know. What the All right. We'll do it play again, golf- You
2: played golf today.
1: And yes, a lot of golf. (laughs) I walk a lot when I'm in Florida, especially until it gets too hot. And then up here, try to walk a little bit, too. So I love golf. To me, to me, golf is great because you can't blame anybody else. It's up to you. (laughs) That's right. There you go. Well, Wheels,
2: we appreciate you taking the time as always. Let's do it again.
1: Anytime, Bill. Anytime, Chad. It's great to see you. I've never done it this way with you before. I know it was fun.
3: It certainly wasn't easy. <laughs> yeah, we got through with it, though. We figured it out. We, we
1: figured it out. You guys take care. All Even right. Done. Thanks, Chris.
3: See you. Okay, bye. All right. Hey,
2: Chet, let's give a shout-out to all the shows over at the Edge of Philly Sports Network this week. Wall-to-wall coverage. Network continues to grow. Uh, more and more shows. You can catch all the action on www.eopsports.com as well as Edge of Philly Sports on YouTube. You can find our show on Philly Pressbox Radio youtube channel as well hit all those subscribe follow and like buttons and share them with your family and friends as you can see monday flyers tuesday uh monday also everything tuesday everything us uh the big show tonight later on at 8 30 thursday we've added soccer saturday sunday we're loaded jet
3: we are loaded Bill. Uh, always something going on as you said. So uh, let's keep it going, shall we? That's right. Hey, great guests tonight. Chris Wheeler, Leslie Van Arsdell,
2: Brian Westbrook. They were they were fantastic. Who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week?
3: See what I mean about these buttons? Just You were getting ready to put that owned. one back on there, and you couldn't it get it. It just popped up back on. <laughs> All right, next week, Bill, we're going to talk more Eagles football and recap what I know will be an amazing weekend out in Canton. We are going to be joined by our old pal, Kevin Riley. There he is, the former Eagles special teams captain and one of the most positive, terrific people that you and I know, Bill. Kevin Riley joining us live assuming we survive the weekend in Canton next Wednesday, seven o'clock.
2: And I should add my former high school substitute teacher.
3: That's right. You talked about that with him. That's right. (laughs)
2: Good deal. All right. Hey, I just want to hit on this for a second uh, because I got two topics. I want to sneak in here. We're running out of time. The reports out of the Nova care center regarding Jalen hurts. You concerned or not, you know, I could care less. I don't care how many completions he throws in practice. How many incompletions or how many interceptions? Who cares? You?
3: Yeah, I'm not really worried about it at all. It's practice. You know, you're know, you going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. Some days the defense is going to be trying different things. Uh, you're going to be trying different throws that you might not normally take. It gives the reporters something to talk about every day. It gives talk radio shows, sports talk to, uh, you know, get the people involved. Not a big deal. When they start playing games on by the preseason, he's probably not going to play. September 11th, then I'll start caring, Bill.
2: That's right, you and me both. Let's uh, let's let the uh, the the local news people run run with the ball, if you will. Not a thing I care about. We'll we'll see you in September, Jalen. We're gonna win a lot of football games.
3: I agree. I agree. all
2: right, Chet. One thing I want to be sure we get in here. Uh, we mentioned Vince Scully. We lost Bill Russell um, this week too. Uh, played for them. Hated Boston Celtics, but you know you could hate the Boston Celtics, so you couldn't hate the results, so you couldn't hate the The player and the person that Bill Russell was, the the man won everything he ever did, starting in a couple uh, NCAA championships, Olympic gold medal, all those titles with the with the Celtics. Uh, I don't know that legend fits. It might be icon might be might be better.
3: We don't rehearse, Bill. and. That was my parting shot that you just did for me. So thank you for that. Oh well. All right, <laughs> we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> let, let me expand on it since we're right here. Uh, yeah, uh, I was gonna say, you know, as kids, we're kind of, I won't say taught, but just conditioned to, you know, hate some of the other rival teams. And in the NBA would be Knicks, but especially, yeah, those hated Boston Celtics. It was easy to dislike them, Bill, back in the 1960s, especially, heck, from 57 to 69, they won 11 NBA titles in 13 years. And a big reason for that was indeed this guy, Bill. You talked about him. Bill Russell, simply amazing. He was there for all 11 of those titles, nine as a player, two as a player coach. The six foot ten Russell was a perennial all-star and one of the greatest rebounders and defenders ever. And of course, his battles with the great uh Will Chamberlain were just so memorable, so memorable. And, boy, just sitting down to watch those games, amazing. Thank goodness for the amazing 66-67 Sixers team though, that was able to deny Boston one of those titles at the very least. Bill Russell was the winningest team player ever in addition to those 11 NBA titles. He won back-to-back NCAA titles while at the University of San Francisco. And, you know, he went through a lot in his time in terms of racial discrimination in the 50s and 60s. So he became a prominent civil rights leader. And in 2011, he was awarded the medal of freedom by former president Barack Obama, the nation's highest civilian honor. So yeah, Bill Russell died this past weekend at the age of 88 pro basketball has certainly changed quite a bit over the last 40 or 50 years, but Russell would be a star in any era. Yeah. I hated seeing those Celtics win all of those titles back in the day, but I always had great respect for that legendary player. So I say, as you do, Bill, rest in peace, Bill Russell.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and the good thing to come out of that, the other good thing to come out of that, Ch- him and Wilt were great friends, great competitors, great friends. Uh, they would go to each other's house the night before the games and then go play their hearts out against each other.
3: Yeah, they had some epic battles, and it was great. I just wish Wilt would have won a few more of them.
2: That's right. All right. Hey, let's take another quick break. Thank our friends at the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance at winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. They have small line razors that give greater odds of you winning. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC one one eight Raz Room. That's right. PPCC one one eight Raz Room on Facebook.
3: Bill, you have one minute to recap your weekend in Atlantic City because I know well, you had a great time.
2: I, well, one thing I do want to point out about Dick Vermeil, I meant to throw this out there. Our buddy Carl Henderson, Carl's Cards, does have Dick Vermeil and Zach Wheeler coming yeah. soon to the store. If you want something from the store, contact those uh, them over there. They do take mail order. For both of those guys, so if you want an autograph from Dick Vermeil, Zach Wheeler contacts Carl's Cards in advertise.
3: And Carl's going to be out in Canton this weekend, so yeah. maybe I'll Carl run into already, Carl
2: already on his way. Yep. Chad, I'll tell you what I'll do. I will save my uh Atlantic City because it, it was too good to, to try <laughs> to squeeze into thirty seconds. I will tell you <laughs> at one point signing was Barry Sanders, Dan Marino, Floyd Mayweather and Mariano Rivera, all signing at the same time. Not a bad lineup. And there was others. so But we'll get to that.
3: Even better than our lineup tonight, although it was pretty close because we had a yes, good lineup tonight. Yes,
2: it was. Yes, it was. All right, let's wrap this thing up, Chet, because we're out of time. Let's thank tonight's special guests. Chris Wheeler, Leslie Van though Brian Westbrook, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC, 118, Raz Room, and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester. For Jim Chet this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, August 10th at 7 p.m. You can see us live on Facebook. Listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash Radio, on Google Podcasts as well as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Radio, and all the others. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Go
3: Phillies. And that Choco Taco, by the way, not bad. <laughs> I hope he and I-